Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back. I'm Lee Lonsberry. We have a lot of ground to cover in just this segment. We have about eight minutes to do it. There are two things I want to do. I want to talk to you about that rabbit hole down which I tumbled the other day, the Matthew effect. It has to do with how children learn and how sometimes there are disparities between children and their ability to learn, which are magnified or amplified uh, by different scenarios. And one observer from an associate professor or I'm sorry, one, one observation made by an associate professor at Utah Valley University is that this Matthew effect, this Matthew effect is being seen in the learning happening amongst Utah students right now, that the ones who were doing very well in the classroom before all this coronavirus stuff took hold, they are doing very, very well. And those who were falling behind before this coronavirus stuff took hold, well, they're struggling. And the disparity between those two is only growing as we transition into this distance learning. We'll get to that in just a moment, this Matthew effect. It's an interesting thing. I hope I have time for it. But what I want to do first is make good on a promise I made to you regarding this question of have we sacrificed too much liberty? I asked for your input, and you gave it to me. I want to share that with you now. I, this morning, you might know, I do a, a Facebook Live yeah, the boss has said, hey, Lee, you want to spend some time on Facebook each morning? Uh, share some of your thoughts there. I think it would be good for the people to hear from you in that setting. And so I've been doing it uh, the past few weeks. It's been a wonderful blessing. I've been grateful for all the interaction I've been able to get from you. And this morning, I put the question out, the same one I've been asking you all, all afternoon. Have we sacrificed too much liberty in our battle against the coronavirus? I want to read to you some of the comments I received back. Uh, this one comes from Nick. I signed up for the app. Now, the app uh, is likely this Healthy Utah app that we've been talking about a little bit. Nick says, I signed up for the app. I don't mind sharing my data temporarily. We need data, period. You can't make smart decisions about what is to happen without data. The more data we have, the better we can make decisions. It's harder to track retroactive data, data from the past. But if we have data that is real time, we can make faster and smarter decisions. I agree with that 100%. I agree with that 100%. And it is because of that agreement I have myself downloaded the Healthy Together app. In fact, I've opened it up for all the location permissions and all that. Each day, it asks me which symptoms I'm experiencing. I type them in. Uh, luckily, I have not demonstrated or experienced any of the symptoms which might lead one to think I should be tested for the coronavirus. I'm doing okay so far. Maybe that's thanks to my good social distancing or my superior genetics. Who knows? Well, that makes me think of the, the conversation we had earlier with Todd Weiler, state senator. He pointed out a, a wonderful distinction, that as we have this conversation about liberty surrendered, we must know, too, that 
liberty has to do with our relationship with the government. And this app, which we have been invited to download, which we have been invited and requested by Governor Herbert, by the state epidemiologist, Dr. Dunn, they have extended an invitation. This by no means is being foisted upon us with the force of law. Okay, So remember that always. You may not be comfortable sharing this data, and that's fine. But to do so is not necessarily, it's not necessarily a betrayal of your, of your values and the liberties that, uh, that we so enjoy. I'm on board with, uh, with Nick's attitude. Data is important. The contact tracing is important. The contact tracing is what led us to know that in Utah County, there were two businesses whose bosses decided to disregard all of the protocols and all of the wise guidance which has been handed down to us by folks like like Angela Dunn because of the data. All right, let me continue. Becky this morning has this to say, if I allow them to use the data of where I am, contact tracing, I am betting that will never be taken back. You have just given up that freedom. They will always know where you are. You will become like China. I will not do the contact tracing. If you give up freedoms, those freedoms will never be given back to us. The government will always keep those little freedoms and then actually build on them in the end. Uh, Becky, I agree with you and disagree with you at the same time. I do trust Governor Herbert. I do trust Dr. Angela Dunn. I want to trust them, especially as they have told us that the data will be used only by healthcare professionals and it will only be stored for a finite period of time. Now, we have the ability to uh, issue public records requests. We have grandma laws here in the state of Utah. In fact, uh, KSL has put a grandma request to the folks in Utah County requesting the names of those two businesses where 68 individuals tested positive for the coronavirus, allegedly because the bosses instructed and ordered their employees to disregard the guidance. But I don't think that signing up for this app will mean that we have forever surrendered freedom. That principle does come into play from time to time, though. We heard earlier uh, from the Sutherland Institute when Derek Monson pointed out the example of the Patriot Act. That is an example of a clear and present danger and threat where legislation was put in place, it was debated, it was ultimately signed into law, and that law allowed for certain surveillances, the certain uh, taking of liberties, and many of those have stayed in place. So the principle's not necessarily wrong, but in this case, Becky, I think we're going to be okay. Hal says, America can and will move forward with a great future. Bigger, better, and even stronger, no doubt. Two exclamation points. I like the optimism. Uh, Jason, to be honest, I like being stuck at home. I still have my internet, TV, outdoor activities, food, family, and many other things. No loss in liberty here. Jill Smith says, no, we haven't. Remember, the question I've asked is, have we sacrificed too much liberty? Jill says, no, we haven't. Not temporarily. Not within the context of a pandemic. I think Americans have a disproportionate distrust of government, especially in light of the fact that they were elected by us to do this job. Buried in that last phrase there is a very profound and important point made here by Jill. If we do have an issue with our elected officials, if we think that their reaction to this coronavirus is in somehow stealing from us liberties, you know, we've got the ability to do something about that, don't you? Yeah, this November or next November. 
many Novembers to come, you and I will have the opportunity to vote into office those who we feel would be the most appropriate and wise stewards of our liberties. If we don't believe that those in office right now are doing a good enough job, well, we're going to have opportunity later on in the future to correct them, and we can correct them with our vote. So it's important to analyze these questions. It's important to know how we each feel. And as Jill points out, it's important to know how our elected officials feel on these fronts. Now, it, it was difficult last November or the November before that to predict that we would be facing a global pandemic right now, certainly. And so, you know, maybe the hypothetical scenarios we work up in our mind through which we uh, judge our would-be elected officials uh, is a challenge. And we might have to roll the dice a little bit. But for the most part, we can become familiar with their guiding principles. In fact, that's something that I'm attempting to do with my radio program. You have heard over the past little while various interviews and conversations with uh, those seeking office right now. We're going to continue that. You're going to hear from the candidates for governor. You're going to hear from the candidates for Congress. And we're going to get to know their guiding and steering principles so that the next time, so that the next time uh, you and I face something like this, the people who are in office uh, will enjoy our trust. That's not to say they don't now. I do trust Gary Herbert. I do trust many of the leaders who uh, have at their feet their grand responsibility of safeguarding this state and the nation. But maybe you don't, and you can do something about it at the ballot box. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be honoring the class of 2020. Those poor kids had their senior year taken from them. Let's take a moment to appreciate them. Next up on Live Mike, I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. KSL News Radio.